Thank you, Brandon, so much, and our Lyft team, we are grateful. Week after week for that ministry of worship and praise, so thankful. I was moved by that song. I'm so grateful for the ministry of music at First Baptist North, and it's ordained of the Lord, and it is a gift from Him, and it helps prepare us for His Word. I'd like to read just a couple of passages this morning before we get to our um, kind of focused passage in the New Testament. But this is, I'd like to read this morning from Genesis chapter 3. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of his church his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother 
and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is the word of the Lord. And we will stand by the word of the Lord for the praise and glory of his name. This ministry is unmoved and we are resolved. We obey God, not men. Let's pray together. We believe in you, God. We believe in your Son. We believe in your Holy Spirit. We believe in the death of your Son and his resurrection. We believe in your church. We believe in your word and we believe in all of your precepts and ordinances and commands. We believe you are the whole and full creator of the universe and all that is in it. And we believe and stand on every word you have declared. We pray that your righteous name would be exalted in this place. That our lives would reflect the holiness and goodness and grace and mercy and kindness that was delivered to us in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray a shield of protection about this work and this gospel, this pulpit, these teaching posts. We pray a shield of protection about our families and our children, our city and our nation. That it would be impenetrable. That we would still be able to go out with the light of Christ. But that your name would shine. And we give you thanks, O God for your promise never to leave us or forsake us. For the praise and glory of your name, amen. We're gonna talk about the watchfulness of prayer this morning. So to do that, I wanna invite you to Matthew chapter 26, the very first book in your New Testament. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, there are some near you, in front of you, they are paper-bound, and you are welcome to use that and even take that with you today if you'd like. We'd love for you to have a copy of the Scriptures if you do not have one. Today we'll be in Matthew chapter 26. And the question that I'd like to ask all of us this morning as we consider these teachings of, in prayer, how do you pray in the press? When the pressure is on, when you are facing um, a certain degree of uncertainty or a struggle when you know you are about to face a difficult time and you need the Lord's strength, how do you pray? And this most poignant scene in the scripture is, is a familiar scene to many of you perhaps. It might be brand new to quite a number of you today, but this is Jesus 
praying in the press, the place of the press. Now, this is a story about Jesus towards the end of his ministry, just before he was arrested, betrayed by Judas, then arrested uh, by the Sanhedrin, and then taken into a mock trial, which he was accused um, and then sentenced to death uh, by crucifixion. So there was a lot on his mind. There was an enormous uh, degree of uncertainty, but yet he also had a clear sense of what was before him. And so what we find that in this moment of the press, Jesus turns to the Father in prayer. And in this story, I believe, we can find some very helpful and compelling principles for our own lives, this t- these, our own experiences when we feel the press of our human experience. Life can do that, right? Life can press in on us at various levels at various times. Maybe there's an ominous diagnosis or there's a a pending breakdown of a relationship or there are very real and oftentimes deep financial struggles or maybe there's a fear of the future or just at least an unknown. There's a sense of anxiety about what's in store for the next several months or year. Some of you are students and you're facing a new chapter of your life as you begin in the fall. Uh, Others uh, are still waiting on the Lord for his answer to a long um, sought prayer for direction. This is what life can do. Jesus, in his own struggle, as he prayed in the press of his anxiety, shows us how to do that. I'm going to read this story, and again, like I said, it would be familiar to some of you, um, but maybe new to others. Starting in verse 36 of Matthew 26, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Be watchful, literally is the expression. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray now so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. And the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Great, great story about Jesus in the press. The scripture says that at this time, in the midst of the context of his uh, certain suffering that he would step into just moments away uh, as this story unfolds, Jesus turns to the Lord in prayer. Prayer is a deliberate and irreplaceable part of dealing with the press of life. That's principle number one. 
Jesus says, listen, sit here while I go there and pray. He knew what was in front of him. He he knew there was going to be an enormous degree of, of physical suffering. That was at the very least on his mind, not to mention probably everything else having the mind of God that was in view in in the mind of Christ at this time. And what he said is, listen, you stay here because I'm going to go over here and I'm going to pray in this time. Now, how often in the human experience do we, we might say something like, listen, you stay here. I'm going to go over here because I'm facing this. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to think things through. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to devise a plan. Because, you know, (laughs) I'm going to do anything without a plan. I'm going to go over here and get organized. I'm going to go over here and get my mind kind of focused on the right things. Jesus said, listen, you sit here. I'm going to go over here because I'm going to pray. I like that. That's helpful. That's a great principle for me and for you. Listen, here's what we believe. We believe that everything can be worked through, resolved, overcome, restored, supplied, renewed when we turn to the Lord in prayer, when we bring it to him. When we determine that we're going to go over here and pray, we're going to at least start here and bring it to the Father. Bring this this period, this this time of uncertainty, this unknown future reality, or this this burden that is on my mind. We are going to bring this to the Lord in prayer because He is able, He is powerful, He is resourceful, and He is good. And so we pray. So often, shockingly, and it's really a mystery, prayer is left out of the process. Whether it be a major decision, or facing a difficult conversation, or approaching a place of of press in a relationship, or a struggle with a child, or simply determining the path of your future, prayer must be the place we go to purposefully and often. If we believe God. And here our Lord Jesus as he faced the most monumental time in his his human experience in his earthly life. This week of his suffering and death. He determined to pray. We must determine to pray. To keep an appointment and a place every day through the press. Staying connected to the Father. bringing Bringing it before him. Now, second, I see that he invited some close others into the press with him. Look what Matthew says. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. He took Peter, James, and John. So from the larger group, he took a smaller group of close companions into the deeper place of prayer. I think we see why here in the next expression. Matthew tells us, That as he took them with him, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. This is Jesus unveiled. This is Jesus in his most transparent moment. And he's got his closest companions with him. And he says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with this, 
with sorrow to the point of death. This is Jesus drawing alongside with him some close companions who can join him in this press of prayer. And he opens up in his most transparent moment and he says, this is who I am. This is where I am in this moment. I am most sorrowful in my soul. And do you have people like that in your life that you can invite with you into the press of your experience? Not everybody. Don't bring the whole congregation. But maybe you have a few close companions who will join you in this struggle. And who are willing, lovingly willing to let you let down your guard before them and say, this is where I am. This is about to undo me. I have never felt this much press before, and I need at least two or three other people to know that and to join me in this place. Not to judge me, you know, don't bring those people into the press. You know, the people are going to say, oh, well, we, we wondered what was going on. <laughs> no, don't leave them over here, but bring two or three people who, who know God, who know his ways who themselves have experienced his grace and his kindness and his mercy and who believe him and they will join you in prayer. This is Jesus in a vulnerable moment and he invites them to stay here and keep watch. We need people like that. I need people like that to come alongside. Don't, don't, Don't keep it to yourself. Listen, our lives of following after God was always meant to be personal, but never private. It's very personal, but it's never private. That is not God's design. He wants us to enter into one another's experience, to bear each other's burdens, and to hold one another up in transparent, authentic, genuine, loving prayer. That's the idea. And we need to develop those sorts of relationships, and we need to be the kind of people that can offer that kind of support to one another, free of pretense, prejudice, and judgmentalism, and Jesus, Jesus was there. And I believe that these moments of transparency are important, but only among a few. We don't hang out our, our struggles for all the world to see. That's not the principle here, you know? You don't need to put it on Twitter. Just bring it to, the, to this place with a few people who, who, who can be there with you. I need you to come alongside with me. By the way, no one will enter into your struggle perfectly or as intimately as the Father to whom you will actually direct your prayers and thoughts. People are weak. Look what happened. He came back after an hour and they were were asleep. People are not perfect. It just helps us knowing, kind of going into this, that not everyone will be able to sustain this sort of watchfulness over a long haul but you need to stay at it. You need to let them give it a go with you. People have their own burdens. They're weak. They're weary too. This is reality. And Jesus did not rebuke them here. He just invited them again 
to, to watch and pray. He comes back in verse 40. He returned his disciples. He found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray. There's so much at stake so that you will not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. Wow, this is vulnerable stuff here. So he encourages them again to stay with him. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He is wrestling with the Father about this time of uncertainty. And he's brought these alongside. He doesn't stop praying and he encourages others to do the same. By the way, I want to have you keep your finger in Matthew 26 or something and go over to Psalm 37. This is a great instructive psalm on prayer, principles of prayer. And it has been a balm to my life personally and and in just these last few days and weeks. Psalm 37, this is David, of course, and he's writing about his experience with God in prayer. And just a couple of things I want you to see here. Ultimately, our confidence is in the Lord, though we rely on those closest to us to join us in the press. He says in verse 3 of Psalm 37, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now listen to this. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. Isn't that great? That's a prayer. How do you commit your way to the Lord if you're a a teenager that's about to embark on a new experience in college or maybe it's a brand new marriage or a ministry opportunity coming up in the next few months and there's a lot of uncertainty but you're certain the Lord has opened a door for you. David says you pray and in that pray you commit this to the Lord, listen, and he will act. How about that? Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Wait patiently, wait silently before Him, and He will accomplish His purpose. Now those are two things that do not come naturally to most of us. Being silent, (laughs) and being patient, waiting. But do you know that that is the posture for prayer? If you need something to happen on behalf of you or your family or your future, God says, be silent and wait for me to act. Wait for me to act. Wow. That's worth meditating on, especially if you're facing some uncertainty or you've got some press in your life. Let that wash over your mind and calm kind of the frayed edges of your faith and and bring some, some peace and some steadiness to your experience with God. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Matthew, back to Matthew 26. He will act. Ultimately, that is our desired outcome, that God would act. Not the government or a professor would act or some employer would act, but that God would act in the midst of the, resp- of the press. My response is to wait silently and patiently for the Lord to act. 
Now finally there comes a time, and I find this very fascinating, and it was actually a bit startling to me as I read this passage again, kind of with a new lens through the issue of prayer. There comes a time not to pray, but a time to face what is before us and trust the work of God. The scripture says, Matthew says that he went, a second, went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away lest I drink it, may your will be done. He, he's getting to this place of resolve of turning this over to the Lord. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away once more, prayed the third time, saying the same thing, Then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, Listen, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. And the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus was ready because he had spent that deliberate time in prayer. Now it was time to get up and to move and to trust that God had his plans and purposes operational. On his behalf. It's time to get up. It's time to go. Let us rise and step into this. Now watch this story. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. By the way, he was not amongst, he wasn't in the prayer meeting. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs. It was happening. The press, the uncertainty that Jesus had on his mind when he was in the press. All of a sudden now it's happening. Here they come. There's a crowd. And they've got swords and clubs. And they've been sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. So there's betrayer. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi. And kissed him. Now watch Jesus. This, is, this has been entrusted to the Lord. Watch his response. Do what you came for, my friend. <laughs> Go ahead, Judas. I've... I've I've given this to the Father. He's got it. Just go ahead. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. What a scene. With that, watch this, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Can you imagine Jesus is like, go ahead, Judas. These guys grab him and arrest him. And one of Jesus' companions pulls out a sword, lunges at the high priest's servant, and cuts off his ear. I mean, this is like Lord of the Rings. Blood goes everywhere. This This is chaos. Can you imagine this scene? Remember when Jesus said, now you watch. You pray so that you don't fall into temptation. They weren't ready. So what'd they do? 
he pulls out his sword and he cuts this guy's ear off. And it's a mess. That's the human response. Now watch Jesus. Put your sword away. Jesus said, all, all who draw the sword will die by the sword. This is so human. Put your sword away. This is not God's way. Only trouble comes from this. Only death. Only misery. Put your swords away. Now if you hear anything, hear this. Listen to this next question. Do you think I cannot call on my Father, that's prayer, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Put your swords away. Do you mind? Do do, do you not think that I could handle things this way if, if that was God's purpose? Do you not think that my father to whom I can speak in a moment in prayer would not come to my aid with 120,000 plus armed formidable angels on my behalf? Do you not think your father in heaven for whatever is your deal, whatever is your press, whatever is your uncertainty, whatever is your need, cannot unleash the hosts of heaven on behalf of you if you turn to him in prayer? What are you doing with your sword out? Why do you keep drawing your sword every time you have a need? Why do you keep relying on your own understanding, your own bit of wisdom, your own strategy, your own practical plan and ingenuity? Put your swords away. Do you not know what my Father in heaven is capable of doing to anyone who turns to him and calls upon his name in prayer? Put your swords away. This is not how God accomplishes his plans and purposes. Jesus had this covered. And then he got up and stepped into it, not in his own confidence, but in confidence in the power and provision of God. Whoever this cat was who drew his sword, he he wasn't covered. And you can see the difference in the response. And what are you needing God to do today? So vastly different from what Jesus was facing, but it feels just as real for you. So let's just go there. What do you need God to do for you today? What do you need? Do you need direction? Do you need a clear purpose? Do you need to know where you're going to live in three months? Do you need God to heal a relationship? 
Do you need $500 so that you can go on this, this mission trip? What do you need God to do? Jesus said, put your sword away. Do you not know what's going on here? This is an opportunity for Almighty God to display his power and provision in your life. Watch, hear, and pray. Surrender to his will, not yours, but his. It's okay to wrestle with him. That's what Jesus was doing. But resolve to trust in the power and provision of Almighty God and then get up and step into it with confidence in his name. Put your swords away and let God work. Let him do it. Watch him do it. Jesus says, man, I could have a quarter of a million angels down here in a second, but then how would, how would God's plan be fulfilled? He's got a purpose. And we've got to pray through the press. To ready our minds and our hearts and our affections and our responses for the reality of what we're stepping into, whatever it might be. It makes such a difference in the outcome, not only for us, but for all those around us who are impacted by either my prayerlessness or my watchfulness in prayer, my confidence in God. So let's put our swords back and trust in the power, the purpose, and provision of God to bring it to pass in a way that is so unbelievably beyond anything we could possibly ask or imagine, then he will get the glory and his purpose will be fulfilled. Amen? Principle number one. Make prayer the purpose and plan for facing whatever it is that is your press today. Make that appointment, find that place, just as we've been teaching, and make prayer. Make prayer the plan. Prayer is the plan. For your college, for your mission trip, for your family, for your future, prayer is the plan. Second, invite a few of your close trusted people who know God, who know his word, who are in the spirit who believe God, bring them alongside of you and invite them to join you in this. And principle number three, when it's covered, you've got resolve that you're going to trust God, then you get up and you step in and face the reality in the confidence and provision of God. Watch him do it. I want us to pray. There are people in this room that are trusting God for something this big, but it feels this big to them. And there are some people who are trusting God for something this big, and it feels, I can't even do it that big to them. But we need to ask God to be faithful. But we've got to put our swords away.
We don't need any more chaos and confusion and bloodshed and all the mess. When we go drawing our swords and trying to do things our way, let's put it away and let God work. Because as we sing, that's what we believe. We believe it. So let's do it. Let's pray together. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Take your thing, your press, your need, whatever, it, however you want to describe it. And in this moment, just give it to him. If it helps you to come down to this altar, bring someone with you, give it to him. Do it here. Put your sword away and let God be God. We're just going to take a few moments to allow you to pray and do this work. Lord God, we ask that you would do this in the power of Jesus' name. Father, we are in full surrender to you. Pour out your spirit, full supply of your provision. The lives of those who are seeking you fully today. Blow them away with your power. We want your name to be exalted. Your will be done, not ours, yours. For the sake of Christ and in his name. This altar is open.
our group got back from Canada, Camp of the Woods, and uh, it was a great trip, and uh, we're still hearing about it. Sam Saris came back and said, you know what, I think I want to go back and serve. So that's awesome. We are thankful.